seat, everyone, and turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Uh, as Simon said, we are finishing our, our short three-parter on the Lord's Prayer. Tonight we're looking particularly at verse 11 to 15, but we're going to start by um, reading what Jesus has said uh, so far on prayer. Um, So far, let me refresh your memory. We've seen that uh, prayer isn't to be uh, something we show off with or some sort of spiritual test, but that we can pray uh, secretly and we can pray very simply because we're praying to God, our Father. Uh, Last week, uh, Simon showed us that our our priority in prayer should be God, uh, his purposes, his glory, uh, his name, Uh, And we can pray great, big, world-changing prayers. Uh, Tonight, uh, we're finishing the Lord's Prayer off, uh, and we get to see uh, how we should pray for ourselves. What does it look like uh, to pray to God for me, for us? Well, let me read from verse 5, chapter 6, verse 5. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or it could be phrased from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray and ask for God's help as we look at his word together. Father, we pray that you'll help us now uh, to listen to your word. Please help us to hear uh, what you're saying. Please teach us to pray and help us to grow as Christians uh, because of this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if someone described you as needy, how would you react? Uh, You're at a party, you don't know many people, you're with a friend, Um, they introduce you to a, a, a group of Uh, their friends, and they say, this is name. Um, They're a very needy person. Well, you'd be mortified, wouldn't you? It's not the sort of word that you uh, want to have associated uh, with yourself. If it came up on your annual report at work, uh, your annual review, it would be um, a bit of a disaster maybe, wouldn't it? Uh, Most of us today would be um, much prefer to be described as something like fiercely independent. Uh, We prefer to think of ourselves as uh, self-made people, than desperately needy people. Um, There's one problem with that story. Jesus says it's not true. According to Jesus, if you're a human being, you're very, very needy. 
None of us are independent. We're all utterly dependent, dependent on God. And in the, the Lord's Prayer, particularly this second half, Jesus gives words to his needy people to pray to their loving Father. And the question is, what do we really need? What sort of things should we be praying for ourselves every day? And here Jesus tells us, uh, it's not like we um, hit a certain standard, we, we can get to a certain point on our own, and then we pray to God for all the, the, the extras, the bits that we, we can't really reach. Uh, Jesus tells us to pray for our most basic needs, our most basic physical needs, our most basic spiritual needs. We're to pray for them simply and confidently, knowing that we're coming to a loving Father who delights to provide for his children. So let's come as needy people to see how Jesus teaches us to pray for ourselves and for, for one another. Um, now, Simon commended that book, uh, Richard Cokin's book, Our Father, a uh, great book on prayer. I'd like to add my recommendation to it. Uh, in fact, I found the book so helpful that the three headings I'm using tonight are ripped straight out of his book. So no points for originality for me this evening, but a warm recommendation of Our Father by Richard Cokin. So what are our bo- most basic needs according to the Lord Jesus? Uh, number one, provision. You can see that in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Now that is a very simple prayer. It's the sort of prayer that anyone can pray. Is it the sort of prayer that that we need to pray? Uh, We might understand that uh, in the past people uh, needed to come to God every day uh, for their, their daily provision Uh, But now things are so different, aren't they? Uh, Now we've got fridges and freezers. Uh, Food can stay fresh for months on end. Um, We could walk out of church this evening and uh, within, I don't know, a minute or two, we'd get to three pretty big supermarkets stacked with food. I think they'd be closed now, um, but they're there, full of all sorts of different things, um, most of which I wouldn't even know how to cook. Our wallets um, are pretty full in this type part of Richmond. Um, maybe we don't struggle every day to think where is uh, food going to come from. Maybe we've just moved beyond the need to pray this prayer. Isn't it a little bit primitive? Well, we might think that way, but then along comes something like a global pandemic, uh, and suddenly uh, the idea of praying for God's provision doesn't seem so backward anymore. Um, I remember, I'll never forget it, um, in those early days of the the pandemic, going to um, the the massive Sainsbury's that's uh, off the 316 near Hampton, um, stepping in there, hoping to fill up my basket, and there was absolutely nothing on the shelves. As far as the eye could see, the shelves were empty. I couldn't even get a jar of jam. And I remember thinking, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. And suddenly... Um, that idea that food just, you know, just appears automatically on the shelf, it went up in smoke. And I have to tell you, it was a bit scary. Suddenly you realize, well, I'm only kind of a few hours away from being really, really hungry and maybe a few days away from being really, really starving. What am I going to do if God doesn't provide for me? Despite the blinding comfort that we're often faced with in the modern world, We're just as dependent on God for things as basic as food 
as his first followers were. The good news is that we have the same God, a father who loves to provide, to provide for our most basic physical needs. Uh, Here are four things, four quick things to notice um, about how Jesus says we're to pray for those those physical uh, needs. Uh, Firstly, uh, this prayer, give us our daily, give us this day our daily bread. It's not complicated. Not complicated. Um, This happens to me um, pretty regularly in the morning. Um, I get up with Sophie, get her out of bed. Um, We sit on the sofa watching a bit of telly, and she looks up at me and she says, Daddy, Cheerios. Now, we're working on the please and thank you, um, but I know exactly what she means, and if, I've, if I'm on kind of top dadding performance, I've already got some uh, dry Cheerios in a bowl in my pocket so I don't have to get up again. Um, but I, I give her the Cheerios, and she sits there happily uh, munching away while whatever is on CBeebies uh, entertains her. Now, what I don't do is turn to her and say, could you just tell me a bit more about that? What are you, what are you trying to say? Um, those aren't very complicated words you've used. Um, you haven't really persuaded me that I should give you the Cheerios. Can you just, um, you know, do a bit more work on your, on your persuasion? Um, I don't do that because I'm her dad and I want to give her uh, whatever she wants, you know. Um, God doesn't respond to us uh, like that when we pray something really simple like this. Give us this day our daily bread. We don't need to twist his arm. Uh, we don't need to persuade him. We don't need to give him uh, ten good reasons uh, to give us what we need. We just need to pray simply uh, to our Father. So it's not complicated. Um, It's not rare either. Um, This isn't just uh, something to pray when we really, really feel the need for God to provide for us. When something has gone disastrously wrong, uh, this is a daily prayer. It's something to pray every day, whether we feel our need or not. Uh, In fact, starting your day like this or finding some time in your day to pray pray a prayer like this will be a really, really good reminder of who God is and who you are. It will be a really good antidote to the the lies of our modern world that uh, we can live without God. You start every day or finding a time in the day to ask God for your most basic needs, even if really you don't feel that way. It's a great reminder. So it's not to be rare. It's a daily thing. Uh, It's not to be selfish Uh, This is praying, uh, give us, you know, group of people collectively, our daily bread. It's not all about me, me, me. Um, It's one of the reasons that uh, prayer triplets or however many um, people it is, uh, prayer triplets, praying with other people, coming along to the prayer gathering, uh, remembering to pray for uh, mission partners like we do here on, on Sundays is so important. Uh, It's really important that we remember other people in our prayers and not just default uh, to our our own needs all the time. So not complicated, not rare, uh, not selfish. And then finally, uh, not greedy. Now, Simon uh, kind of told us last week how um, Christians all through the the centuries since Jesus uh, told us about this prayer or instructed us to pray this prayer, found it helpful to use uh, each line as a kind of heading to to fill in the blanks. This isn't the only thing we can pray for. Uh, It's kind of giving us categories of uh, things um, which we can come to God uh, about. Uh, So when Jesus tells us to pray for our daily bread, it's not that he's kind of restricting us to some super high gluten diet. 
Uh, but he is saying that we should be praying to God for our most basic needs. We're talking about needs, not wants. Kind of bread, uh, not luxuries. Despite what many people uh, who claim to be Christians will tell you, uh, Jesus doesn't want us to pray that we'll get really, really rich or that we'll have a really, really easy and comfortable life. He's asking us here or telling us here to pray for bread, those physical things uh, that we need. I think that the spirit of the prayer here is similar to uh, a prayer found in Proverbs 30, uh, verse 8 and 9. Prayer to God that says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that I need, lest I be full and deny you, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. This is a prayer that all of us can pray, and it's a prayer that all of us should be praying every day. So in practice, what does that mean? What does it look like? Well, it means that God cares and is in control of the nuts and bolts of our life, the the practical, uh, physical realities of living in this world, things as uh, practical and down-to-earth as a loaf of bread. God cares about them, and God, God has control of them. And therefore, we should be quicker to turn to God for for our needs than we are to turn to ourselves with worry. Prayer should be our our first response, uh, not just our last resort. Give us today our daily bread. We depend on God to provide for us physically. Uh, We need his provision. Uh, But the rest of Jesus' prayer here is concerned with our spiritual needs. Uh, We get double the amount of uh, things to pray for our spiritual needs than we do for our physical needs, which is definitely something worth thinking about, isn't it? When you pray, what do you pray most about? Is it uh, stuff you need or spiritual help you need from God? Well, the second thing Jesus tells us to pray for is pardon. Pardon. Now, later in Matthew's gospel, Jesus, uh, he'll tell a story about a servant who racks up enormous debts with his king. And he has no way of paying these astronomical debts back. So the king, uh, knowing that he'll never get his money back, orders for him and his family and all that he owns to be sold so the king can recoup some of, it, some of the expenses. And the servant falls down on his knees and pleads with the king and says, be patient and I'll pay you back. Of course, there's no way it'll ever happen. But then the king does something incredible. See, he sees how desperate his servant is, and he has pity on him. And he wipes the account completely clean. The man has all his debts uh, taken away. Uh, He's no longer uh, needed to be sold or do any prison time or pay back a single penny. His debt is completely wiped out. And it's a picture of what God has done for us, his people. Uh, Debt is one of the pictures the, the Bible uses to describe our sin. So we owe God, we owe him our love and our obedience and our worship, and yet we fail to give him his due every single day of our lives. And we rack up these enormous astronomical debts with no way of paying him back. We're sinners. 
We're in God's debt. If you need to be persuaded that you're a sinner, uh, that you owe an incalculably high debt to God, um, then just take some time to read the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, That's the the sermon that this prayer is slap bang in the middle of. Um, Here are some quotations from Jesus. It says, Everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus says, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus tells his people, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What's the standard that he sets? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Anyone here living up to that standard? Well, I'm definitely not. I'm falling short every single day of my life. And so I need God's forgiveness. Jesus tells us here the solution to our sin. It isn't to, you know, pull our socks up, do our best, try and earn our way back into God's good books. It's not possible. The answer is to turn to our loving Heavenly Father and ask for his forgiveness. Forgive us our debts. And if we ask, he will wipe our account clean, just like the king in Jesus' story. Isn't it comforting to know that Jesus expected us to need to pray for forgiveness as part of our daily routine? Sometimes our sinfulness surprises us Uh, We do that thing which we thought we'd left behind years ago. It comes up again, and we thought, am I still really that sinful? Jesus is never surprised by our sinfulness. He tells us the right response. Don't stay away. Don't keep at a distance. Come and ask for forgiveness. Now, we might wonder um, why, if our our sins are already wiped clean, why do we need to uh, keep asking for forgiveness every day. Aren't we forgiven once and for all? Well, yeah, that's true. And we're certainly not to think of God kind of sitting in heaven with a, a notebook, a list of all our sins, um, and he'll only forgive us if we, if we audibly kind of confess every single one of them. But remember who we're praying to. We're praying to a person. We're praying to our Father. And we all know the importance of forgiveness in a relationship. Uh, Marriage is a good picture here. Um, Sadly, I do or say things to her, Emma. Uh, Or maybe it's that I don't do something that I really should do. Um, Confession time, it's usually not putting my dirty socks in the laundry basket at the end of the day. Now, even though that's horrible, it doesn't stop me being married to her. But how good would it be for our relationship if I just refused to ever apologize? If she came to me and said, you know what, what you said really hurt me. And I just turned around and said, well, we're still married, aren't we? That's no good at all. And it's no good at all for our relationship with God if we refuse to confess our sin to him, if we refuse to humble ourselves and ask for his forgiveness. We need forgiveness every single day because we sin every single day. And because Jesus has done all the hard work by dying on the cross to pay our debt, all we need to do is ask God. But these aren't kind of magic words, a spell to bend God to our will. We have a part to play as well, Jesus says. 
As God forgives us, so must we forgive. We're to pray, forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. That story that Jesus told didn't end there. As the, the forgiven man um, comes out of, the, uh, of his audience with the king, um, he bumps into someone who owes him a, a relatively small amount of money. And he brutally attacks him, demanding he pays his debt. Uh, the man begs for more time, but the servant refuses and has him and his entire family thrown in prison until the debt's paid. Well, when word gets back to the king, how do you think he reacts? He's rightly outraged, and he throws the servant in prison, restoring that enormous debt. So there's great kind of danger for us here. Jesus is, is warning us here that this is, this is really important. In fact, he wants us to understand it so, uh, so clearly that he explains it again in verses 14 and 15. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses or their, their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, this isn't to make us think that you know, our forgiving of other people earns God's forgiveness for us. But forgiveness in the Bible, it always goes together with change whether it's repentance, that that first big change to stop going our way and start going God's way, uh, that's part of how we receive God's forgiveness in the first place. And once we've received God's forgiveness, he's he's constantly changing us to be more like him. If you're just praying these words, forgive us our debts, God forgive me for my sin, uh, but you're not willing to, to change, don't fool yourself that everything's okay between you and God. According to Jesus, forgiven people are to forgive. And if we're not forgiving, that's a really, really bad sign and a dangerous place to be. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So what might praying along these lines uh, look like in practice for us? Well, I'm not sure who said it first, uh, but I've always found the advice to to keep short accounts with God is really good advice. Keep short accounts with God. It means don't be slow to confess your sin. When it comes to sin, we're often slow to confess. It it might be because of pride. We want to think, well, I I didn't do anything wrong. I I was in the right. Maybe it's because of shame, and we think, God wouldn't have anything to do with me after I've done that. Jesus shows us this better way. Be quick to confess your sin and to ask your Father for forgiveness. Keep short accounts with God. But it'll also mean taking Jesus' teaching about forgiveness seriously. To think about whether there's anyone we're holding a grudge against. Grudges are so easy to keep hold of, aren't they? They're also so deadly for our spiritual lives. Is there someone you need to forgive today? Don't just ignore that. Think about it. Pray about it. Pray that God would help you to forgive them. We need God's forgiveness. And so we need to be forgiving. Pardon, forgiveness, is one of our most basic spiritual needs. 
that let's make sure we're coming to God and asking him for it often. But it doesn't cover all our spiritual needs. As we look to live our lives in faithfulness to God, Jesus tells us we're to pray thirdly and finally for God's protection. If God's pardon is kind of like our, our biggest spiritual need as we, as we look backwards, God's protection is our biggest spiritual need as we look ahead. We're to pray to be spared from temptation. Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. Uh, Given our daily need for forgiveness, doesn't it make sense to pray that we wouldn't even come across temptation in our lives? Um, If your exhaust is falling off your car and you're on the way to the mechanic, you don't take the road with the speed bumps and hit every single one of them at 40 miles an hour, do you? Uh, You know there's a problem, you know you need to be careful, and you do whatever you can not to make it worse. That's the sort of uh, spirit of this prayer. And it's the sort of prayer we'll pray if we really care about God, if we're really serious about living for him. Uh, Sometimes we can uh, know that we've done wrong, Uh, we can know that we need forgiveness, perhaps we even feel guilty but not really want to stop our sin. Deep down, we enjoy it. Whether it's getting drunk or being greedy, gossiping or watching pornography, we can find ourselves asking for forgiveness when something's gone wrong without ever really wanting to not do it again. The true disciple, Jesus says, doesn't treat sin like that. They don't treat God like that. They're serious about dying to themselves and living for him. They're eager to please their heavenly father, and they're careful, desperate even, not to grieve him. And so they pray, lead us not into temptation. Father, help me not to sin against you. To pray this way is to accept that we're, we're fragile, we're very needy, we're full of sinful desires, In sin terms, we're like a game of buckaroo. At any moment, something could set us off. And of course, there's someone out there who would love us to sin. One whose mission is to make Christians dishonor their father by giving in to temptation. He's the devil, the evil one whom this verse is is very likely speaking of. And just like uh, great big supermarkets and credit cards are likely to blind us to our, our dependence on God's provision. Living in the kind of uh, secularist modern world uh, may make us struggle to see our need of God's spiritual protection on our lives. But the Bible is really clear about the real spiritual danger that all believers are under threat from. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's a scary picture. An enemy with with huge teeth and razor-sharp claws. And it's a a scary picture because it reflects a, a scary reality, a real danger, an enemy who wants to destroy us. And what does it look like to destroy a Christian? to get them to give in to temptation, to get them to sin. And Satan will do and say anything 
to persuade us that it, it's better for us to sin than to obey God. It's what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. It's what he does to Christians the world over today. And with an enemy out there like that, out to get you every single day, don't you see how, how needy you really are? If there was a, a physical lion kind of prowling down your road and you could see its, its big teeth and you could hear it roaring, would you just carry on with your day regardless? You know, just finish your coffee, pick up your bag, and head out onto the street for work? Absolutely not. You'd, you'd pick up the phone and you'd call, well, whoever you call to deal with a lion. Uh, is it the vet or the police or maybe a zookeeper? Whoever it is, you'd do something about it, wouldn't you? You'd realize you really need some help. And we're to recognize the threat that our enemy poses us. We're to acknowledge our own need, our vulnerability, but we're not to fear him. Instead, we're to turn to our Father in prayer and ask for his protection. Uh, think about a, a toddler playing in the park when suddenly a big dog comes along looking for some attention and the toddler's eyes boggle. Ever seen something like that happen? Uh, in his eyes, this dog is a monster. Uh, great big teeth, a deafening bark. Uh, so what does the toddler do? toddles as fast as it can to find daddy. And when that toddler's dad picks him up and holds him, suddenly that dog, well, it's not quite as scary anymore. That dog that seemed so scary when the toddler was on his own is now no threat whatsoever. And even though our enemy is a very real threat to us, our father really can give us everything we need to keep us safe from the attacks of the evil one. Peter carries on and says, Resist him, the devil, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Our Father is far more powerful than our enemy. So we're to pray to him for protection. What might this look like in practice? Well, one way might be to think of the, the ways you are likely to be tempted in the day to come and ask for God's help specifically in that situation. Lord, I know I've got a meeting with that difficult person today. Help me not to get angry with them. Father, I'm, I'm out with my friends tonight Please help me not to join in with the gossip. Father, all the bills are going out of the account today. Help me to trust you instead of worrying. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Like it or not, you're needy. We're a church full of needy people. What we need to do most of all then is to pray to our Heavenly Father Physically, spiritually, we can't do it on our own. But the good news is we don't need to. So let's pray to him. Let's pray together.